everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Ad Project Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Joe Shellard from Ad Advance, and today I am joined by Sam Lee. So, Sam, welcome to the podcast. Appreciate you. I feel like I'm on Joe Rogan. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, definitely not that that high class, but we'll go with it. <laughs> yeah, so Sam, for people who aren't familiar with you, kind of give us a, a quick background on, on your experience. Yeah, for sure. So I've been in the digital marketing space my whole career. I started off doing a lot of different things like Google Ads, Facebook, SEO, figured out pretty quickly what I liked and what I didn't. Began to focus in the Amazon space in maybe 2018, doing a lot of PPC stuff. And then I moved over to Thrasio right when COVID hit and then I helped them to build out their Amazon DSP team and all that good stuff. So I've been doing a ton of programmatic marketing in the DSP the past three years. Uh, and then now I'm full-time at Delivered Media where I head out their growth and their Amazon DSP. That's awesome. That's awesome. And for this podcast, I, I figured it'd be really fun to have you on. Like, So one, we're experiencing a ton of just macro headwinds or changes. So yeah. we'll touch on that. Um, another piece, just kind of digging more and taking it down to like the strategy level for DSP. And then two, we'll kind of hit on like the Q4 impacts or things to look through. So a lot to unpack here. Totally. First, I, I want to get your take. So right now, uh, interest rates are going up, inflation's going up, people are getting squeezed on margin. Some people are able to raise prices, others aren't, cost of goods sold's fluctuating, shipping costs are potentially coming down, but still really high. Like, You're stressing me out just mentioning all these things <laughs> in one breath. <laughs> so what, what's your take overall from like an advertising perspective? Like, what are you seeing? How are you viewing this, especially coming into Q4? Yeah, I mean, everyone takes a hit when inflation rises like this, right? And it's ultimately a very easy thing to do for businesses. And a lot of times it's necessary for businesses to pass things down to the customer. So prices raise pretty much across the board. Somebody squeezes somebody and then in return, they have to pass that down to the person that's directly below them. It comes in virtually every industry and every line of work, right? So everything's getting more expensive. And I mean, that's what causes a recession at the end of the day but specifically within you know the e-commerce space it's it's interesting because you're there are products that are always going to be necessary and no matter what i mean like gas right that we're going to continue to pay for them no matter what the cost is sure. but then there are other products that are a little bit more of a, a luxury or something that when you have the money you'll spend it on that and those i think are obviously going to take the biggest hit in this type of market but i think that if you're not bleeding substantially, then you're lucky. Sure. Yeah. And what are you seeing for like overall advertising budgets? So have you been seeing those get hit, stay constant, try to expand when other people are cutting back? Like, have you seen any general trends overall? It is definitely becoming a space that's unfortunately being more monopolized pretty much across the boards. Like the big players are really able to squeeze things more and the small players are essentially getting drowned out. Sure. If you have all the money in the world, then you can continue to throw that money at things like advertising when your competitors are having to shrink their budgets and ultimately capture more market share. So unfortunately, what it really is, is the rich get richer. And those that have had to be more conservative previously have to be more conservative now than ever. And then they're getting further pushed out, which is which is a huge bummer. 
Sure, sure. Yeah, I mean, some other data points that that we've seen too. Like for instance, we were at the Unbox conference in New York that Amazon put on, and yep. the day before they had their out. they had their chief economist in there from Amazon, which was really cool to hear their take chief on economist. things. And it, it, it kind of lines up with what you were saying, where. I don't know. They look at it at three tiers of goods. So there's the really low price products, there's the medium price products, and then there's the luxury products. And what they yep. see is an overall cascading down of, you know, people, there's going to be some non-price sensitive customers in the luxury side, but overall they see that segment taking the biggest hit. And then in the medium yep. and the low price products, it's really who can pass the prices on to their customers and increase prices faster than cost of goods sold. And those are the yep. ones who are able to keep in advertising and keep growing. Yep. It's those sellers who aren't able to pass on those price increases that are getting squeezed for margin. And typically it ends up being some of the smaller sellers like we're seeing too. We're seeing some big brands that are able to take advantage of this time, other ones that really aren't. And so you yep. just end up like, People have asked me, like, do you see any major trends? And it really depends on the brand and the seller and essentially the economics that fall into it. It's, it's, such a it's puzzle, not a one size fit right? all. Yep. Yeah. And it's like not only it's and it's also impossible to simply say that, oh, if you're this price type of product, you're going to be doing fine. If you're this price, you might get squeezed. It really depends on who it is that you've been catering to since you started your business. And if you're differentiating based on price, then your consumer base is obviously price sensitive. And if you're price sensitive right now, your spending power is reduced. Sure. So at the end of the day, I think it's a huge bummer because I think that those businesses that ultimately are structured around being helpful, like people that want to be able to provide like a lower price type of product are ultimately being hit the worst because their own prices are increasing. Sure. Their typical consumer base has the lowest spending power and they're going to get squeezed out by the giants, which is like, I think, exactly the opposite of what we were all hoping to see out of COVID at the end of the day, if there's going to be one benefit from it. So sure. it's, it's, it's definitely been hard for the small guy. Sure, sure. So, I mean, knowing that these things are going on, like as you look at like Q4, like what, what's some general pieces that you're putting into practice or strategically, like how are you approaching Q4? Are there any major pieces that you typically take into account when you get to this time of year when you're when you're working with advertisers? Yeah, I mean, you and I have touched on this a little bit previously, but I, I think the one thing that inventory is is really huge just in terms of like how to accurately estimate your supply chain how to make sure that you're ordering the right, especially with the different limits that Amazon's been imposing and, and lowering that lately. It's a really tough balancing act because on one hand, if you order more of something, obviously you're going to get your cost of goods sold down, which right now is super ideal. But at the same time in the Amazon space, if you're over ordering right now, it's, it's very detrimental to what you do. And the flip side of that is running out of stock, which is like the worst thing. You know, it's, <laughs> it's like, if you're getting so much demand that you're running out of stock, it sounds like it's a champagne problem, but in actuality, it's, it's very detrimental to everything that you do. And if you run out of stock for two weeks, it's not like it's going to take two weeks to get back on the horse. And Amazon's so momentum based that even a short stock out can take a long time to climb sure. back to where you once were. 
Yep. Yeah. I remember um, back in the back in the days when I was a seller too, like initially when you'd go out of stock and you'd come back in, you'd regain your spot right away. It wasn't as momentum based in the algos oh, at yeah. that time. And it was so much easier. But now you're facing right, so sellers are already getting squeezed on margin. Now you're facing yep. the Q4 increased storage costs and then overall storage oh, limits. So you have to stay within that, but at the same time, you don't want to run out of stock because you get penalized and it takes so long to get that momentum going again. <laughs> and so, yeah, it's a really tough spot to be, especially trying so to anticipate Q4 trends with all the economy changes too. You don't even have to forecast yeah. just for your products. Now it's trying to like take in macro trends into account too. Yep. Yep. And at the end of the day, it's like, we're all really guessing, like we can do all the math that we want on the back end, but even the smartest supply chain team is estimating, right? <laughs> all forecasts now are wrong. more than ever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And like now more than ever, I think it's important for, depending on if you're a small business and you're ultimately running both sides of this, or whether you're a larger organization that has more people involved with specific responsibilities, it's really more important than ever to be communicative cross channel and cross department. I mean, if you're somebody that's really involved in inventory planning and supply chain, then making sure you're in close talks with the people that are running the finance and the marketing side in terms of trends that they're seeing that they can use to bake into these inventory planning estimations. And sure. I mean, keep the agencies in the loop too, because ultimately I think that driving sales profitably is the goal of every agency. But I think that even if we're not supply chain experts at the end of the day, forecasting based on what we see year over year, what we see for other clients, things like that can be very helpful. Sure, sure. So Sam, as you were leading DSP for Thrasio, some common questions that we always get on the DSP side is one, is it right for me? So as you would be looking at different brands or products, how would you analyze that? How do you take into account like, is DSP right for you? How do you approach that? Yeah, for one, I would say that PPC needs to be absolutely dialed in before you layer in DSP. If you, A, are just getting started with PPC, or B, you haven't really felt like you've maximized what you're doing there, it's probably not time. I think that just due to things like the attribution window and the intent base of PPC, it's important to get that. It should be the bulk of every marketing budget within the Amazon space. Like That's just my take. Sure. Outside of that, the DSP is much more sensitive to reviews than PPC is. The reason for that being that it's, it's charged on a CPM versus a CPC. So if somebody's ultimately going to be dissuaded by low review count, not enough stars, whatever it is, oftentimes in the PPC world, they'll see that on the product detail or on the search results page for like a sponsored product ad. They're probably just not going to click and then sure. you're not paying for that. Within the DSP world, you're getting charged on impressions. So if you don't have the review that's going to... Uh, make people want to actually click or go to your product page, you still have to pay for those impressions. On the flip side, that's why it can be so effective if your product is something that is driving people to click a lot, because you can drive a lot of clicks with a solid product on an impression count and ultimately pay the same amount as somebody who got a third of the clicks that you did for those products. Sure. So reviews are huge. And I think that it, it really just depends. You, like, you need to establish your KPIs very clearly before you go into DSP because it's so versatile in terms of the parts of the funnel that you can attack. Like You can purely run like brand loyalty, 
brand like cross pollination to market different products to people who have bought your other products. You can run retargeting, super low funnel, and that can sure. be very lucrative from a return on ad spend standpoint. But you can also you can go up as far in the funnels you want, right? Like you can do you literally have the entire Amazon library of ASINs without a couple exceptions to utilize in whatever way you want. So you can get so creative with the way that you determine your targeting, but you need to have your KPIs in order before you do that. Yeah. Because that's just drastically gonna change what you do. Sure. And I also just think it's a it's something that is gonna be worth testing a lot of the time. There is a price point thing with the DSP where I think it's more specific to retargeting. Like if you have a product that's gonna be a split decision type of product and it's not going to take very long for somebody to think about, retargeting is probably not going to be in your best interest or at least not a very long window whatsoever. That being said, you can run things like contextual for a split-second decision add to cart, and it can do really well. So it's just about there's no one-size-fits-all with those strategies. It's just about every single brand, every product within that brand really needs to have a customized strategy with things like Windows and overall audiences targeted because – you can't really, there is no blanket DSP strategy that works for everybody. It's just never going to be the case. Sure, sure. So just to unpack that, and by the way, I totally agree in, in all those pieces. So one, build the foundation first. So sponsored, yep. make sure you've got a solid foundation there. And once you and feel like you utilize page. all those pieces, yep, and product page is huge. Yep, for anything. that That's even a precursor yeah. to the sponsored Don't side. Don't even do anything until you have that <laughs> dialed in like we can set all the traffic you want it needs to be set up to convert it yep. needs to have some reviews like that is the first and foremost i should have led with that <laughs> yep nope that's great yep all right product detail page then build the foundation then really yep. analyze the product and figure out who's purchasing yep. from you so there's going to be yep. margin impacts price impacts that are taken into account is this a split yep. second decision or is it a luxury watch where i'm going to need a lot of branding and upper funnel strategies to bring people in yep. to finally purchase my product and then yep. from there it's really analyzing how far you want to go up on the funnel based off yeah. of those product level items that you have in terms of economics and just overall shopper behavior. Did you just remember all of this and are able to just spit it right back at me? It's impressive. <laughs> it's like well, in order. Yeah, it, it, we're kind of regurgitating what we go through too. So I love it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So for upper funnel DSP strategies. All right. So we're yep. in the more brand building stage. We're starting to get into like in audience or yep. lifestyle type upper funnel strategies. Yep. Like how are you measuring overall impact there? That's a really good question. I think that like for me, I am not somebody that likes to just like throw a lot of money at something and just look at impressions and be like, maybe it's driving sales over here. Like, I don't know. A lot of people are seeing it. That's great. So I do still like to use sales volume as my KPI, but overall within the DSP and then speaking to my clients directly to see what kind of lift they're seeing. I think that it's tough to use like return on ad spend specifically for these lifestyle upper funnel, you know, for doing connected TV, things like that. It's sure. not going to give you the exact number, but it's just important to look holistically at brand lift, especially with things like connected TV, where we, the attribution there is just never going to be straightforward, right? Like you're not clicking on these ads on your TV. It's, it's very tough to even determine any attribution, but you can look at 
overall brand sales on Amazon during that window. The tough part is that these things never happen in a vacuum, right? Sure. There are always so many things that go on. Like maybe there was a deal of the day, maybe PPC increased spend right here. Maybe at the time of year was seasonality. So the attribution for that stuff can be very tricky. So you really just have to look at overall brand lift. You have to run a test. You have to look at before, during, and after for differences. And you have to try to focus it in a time of year where not as much else is going on. Otherwise, you're never going to fully get the picture of how impactful it was for a brand. Sure, sure. So some common questions that I get, and I love your take on it too, when you're talking about Amazon DSP. So one yep. is I get skepticism in the sales that are reported. And does yep. this truly have an impact to my brand? What's your take on that? How do you measure the true impact of Amazon DSP? Yeah, that's a great question. And I mean, it's something that's ongoing, right? I think you posted something the other day from AMC that I thought was really great about the two siloed ad platforms and then running them together. Sure. So the reason people have these questions, first and foremost, is due to the way that the attribution works. It's largely impression focused. It's a two week window. Um, and that's just something that you're always going to have to combat, right? Like that's just the truth of it. So I think that it's important to take everything in the DSP with a grain of salt and look at the broader picture when you're determining these results. There are also a lot of ways within the DSP, like depending on the way you set up your conversion tracking, what you track, ROAS versus total ROAS, there are like a lot of different ways to look at the data and skew it. Sure. One thing I think that's important too is you want to make sure you have a merchant token associated with every DSP advertiser. The reason being that DSP isn't linked to a particular seller central account the way the PPC is. So if you show somebody a DSP ad, they click a PPC ad for that product and the, the DSP isn't linked to a seller central account, you can duplicate sales. Mm -hmm. So you want to make sure that those are associated just to make sure that sales aren't being overestimated first and foremost. Yep. And um, if they're linked, then you'll just get last touch attribution. So whatever ad you saw exactly. last, it, it gets attributed either the sponsored side or the DSP side, but you don't exactly. get that double counting where if you don't link it. Exactly. So that's a, that's a great way to look at it. Outside of that, I think it's important to really be close with your overall Amazon sales and run a test and see what we can reasonably attribute. I think that in Thras at Thrasio, we were working with, we had a discount that we had applied to some of our sales within the DSP specifically for things like retargeting. Sure. Because it, really it's like, does the DSP influence from an impression standpoint? Absolutely. Is every person, especially if they're familiar with your brand, somebody that's buying this product and they wouldn't have otherwise? No. But sure. at the same time, with things like PPC and you're looking at branded terms, or you're looking at somebody that clicked on an ad and they bought your product, it's like, would they have come organically? Like, who really knows at the end of the day? So you just have to look at all the data with a grain of salt. The other things for the DSP that are important to look at are new to brand metrics. So mm -hmm. if somebody has a really low new to brand rate, then I would not, I mean, I think that it's important, especially when you're influencing people to buy a product that they may be out of or a different product within your line. It's absolutely impactful, but it's important to take new to brand into consideration. And then the sure. last piece I was going to say is actually looking at your cost per click in the DSP. It's impression based through and through. But if people are clicking on your ads at a high rate, I think that that's more of an indicator that I think a lot of the sales are probably true sales. Sure, sure. And I think the big thing that I want to distill out of that 
All right. The point of advertising is to get people who would purchase your product who wouldn't have purchased your product if they didn't see the ad. Yep. And so that's the heart of what we're trying to determine with DSP. And it's yep. tricky because you may serve somebody an ad, say when they're on weather.com or on their favorite news site, and yep. they would have come back and purchased anyway. It's the same yep. core question we have for brand defense on sponsored products. Like, all yep. right, would they have they're bought from you brand. anyway? Yep. There's going to be some cannibalization yep. and you're paying for some sales that you would have got anyway. But yep. the key question is how many extra sales did it drive? <laughs> Taking into account that cannibalization. Totally. And so that's always 100%. the core question 100%. and why I think some people discount the sales reported because they don't see a huge uplift because maybe it's all retargeting focus to people who aren't new to brand who would have come back and repurchased yep. anyway. Yep. And I think that it's interesting because you also have to take into consideration the other side of that is that I, you know that not every sale is going to be incremental, but you're also definitely driving incremental sales and you get a flywheel effect in Amazon where your organic ultimately is influenced by overall page traffic and overall sales. So at the end of the day, these platforms also are influencing your organic lift. And without them, you wouldn't be doing as well organically. So they all do feed into each other. Do ads get attributed sales that would have come back anyways? Absolutely. But does that increased organic rank due to paid traffic also help your brand? Also, absolutely. So, sure. yeah, that's the way yep. I see it. <laughs> it's tough to distill the exact contribution, which is which is the hard thing. And that's why this job is also fun, too, because it's not just looking yeah. strictly at the numbers. There's a lot of interpretation that goes into it. Yeah, it's like it's almost like art. It's like everybody looks at this and sees something completely different. And I think there's a million ways to interpret this data. But another thing about the data that I, I always preach is just that the, don't get too romantic about your ideals and do follow the data. Like just because something should work doesn't mean it's going to. Sure. I've had plenty <laughs> of things that shouldn't work that absolutely do. And you have to follow the data before you follow whatever like preconceived notions you might have had about a particular advertising strategy. Yep. I can be surprised on a daily basis, either on the upside or the downside. So <laughs> it's always good to test. <laughs> so one, one other question that I get quite a bit is Amazon DSP just for Amazon sellers? No, it is not. It's This is something that is very, very rarely tapped into, but also very exciting. Um, it's This is the one I think that the attribution piece is actually the trickiest. But you can run Amazon DSP, whether you're not selling on Amazon, you don't even have to be in e-commerce. It's truly a programmatic marketing tool that can be used in a lot of different ways, more than it is a tool built around selling things on Amazon, which is the baseline of it. It's a way to leverage Amazon data. So you can utilize sure. browsing behavior and purchase behavior on Amazon to find your key demographic, basically, no matter what you do. I think that more so than like likes and interests on Facebook, I think that what you buy often really speaks to who you are. Like if you're buying supplements, odds are you're into fitness. If you're buying a book about something, odds are you're interested in this thing. And sure. I think that every customer who shops on Amazon has browsing behavior indicative of who they are and everyone's ideal demographic is on Amazon in some capacity. 
Sure. Yeah. Yep. And like, like we say, like so for Meta or Facebook, they're trying to tie in social behavior. Now they can't track you everywhere, so they're trying to tie in social behavior into like consumer preferences. Google. It's so funny as taking... a consumer, like watching these two, and it's almost like watching your parents fight. <laughs> the way they keep like undermining each other in front of their kids, like it's like it's so they're just purposefully like messing with each other's data. It's so bizarre. <laughs> yep, yep. And then you have Google, who's tying search behavior to consumer preferences, yep. which is closer. But then you have Amazon first party data, which is actually the consumer preferences. And so yep. I think it's a huge piece that's untapped right now for bigger brands that don't sell on Amazon, just from the audience targeting on the first party data side. There is so yep. much upside there because you can find people who are truly interested in your products or services and reach them much easier than going very broad that you might have to do say on something like meta a hundred percent i mean it's just it's true and true like what people actually buy like it says more about you than anything sure sam this has been awesome for people who want to reach out to you more or find you where should they go yeah linkedin is always easy I'm pretty active on there for the most part, whether that's annoying or not. Depends. (laughs) Not annoying. Uh, No, I'm at I'm at uh, Delivered Media, which is where I've been. So Sam dot Lee at DeliveredMedia.com. But if you want to just shoot the shit, LinkedIn is probably the easiest for me. So reach out anytime. Perfect. Yeah. Well, Sam, thanks again. This has been an awesome podcast. Absolutely. You're the man. Appreciate you. And for everybody listening to the Ad Project Podcast, as always, really appreciate you giving us the time to listen, and we will see you on the next episode. Mm-hmm.